0: Inner chaos is part of so many lives. When we go through it, we often try to hide it on the outside. Now nah, I'm okay. I'm all good. But inside, there's a struggle. Why do I feel this way? Am I broken? Am I the only one feeling like this? When people connected to Jesus, they would grow to trust him. Pull down the mask they wore. Awesome. Uh, kia ora. Good morning for now. Um, Let's begin by reading some words of scripture together. This comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, who was sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Jesus, as we gather this morning, as we've already gathered together, singing your praises and giving of ourselves, our time, our offerings, our energy to you. Now, as we gather around your word, Jesus, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. I pray that you would would break apart some of the idols and misconceptions that we attribute to you. The false things that make us feel safe but aren't actually who you are. Jesus, I pray that for all of us this morning, you would break those apart and reveal to us who you really are. That you would reveal to us yourself, Jesus, our, our brother who is intimately familiar with us, but also so different from us that we still have yet to understand you. Reveal yourself to us this morning. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to begin by talking about belonging. Now, belonging is something that we all really want to do. We all want to belong. We all want to feel like, oh. Oh, this is my home. This is my place. You know, you want to feel like you've got that connection with the people around you. And the time where that most usually comes through, I think we are all most acutely aware of wanting to belong ends up happening at high school. Um, if any of you remember high school, it's that period where everything feels awkward and you're constantly trying to figure out which group you, you fit into, or you end up doing all these crazy things to, to fit in. And so for me, when I was in high school, one of the things I did to try and be kind of cool is, a uh, I don't know if it worked out being cool, but I did it anyway. I grew up my hair. um, It's about this long and was timed it perfectly with that stage where I put on a bunch of weight, but hadn't grown yet. So I was chubby with like lots of blonde hair and I was really into ska music. So it's just a winning combination for cool. Really? Um, I thought about bringing a photo for you today, but then I also thought I have to continue this sermon with you guys respecting me. So... um, (laughs) I decided against it, and you can see that photo um, probably just before I die. Uh, But we all do these crazy things in high school to try and belong. And there's all these groups that we try and fit ourselves into. So if we do a bit of a straw poll, like a bit of a a test to see here, how many of you in high school were like the sporty ones? Like you were part of that sporty group, where you're doing sport 24-7. Put your hands up high. Let's let's just have a look around. Okay, Sport was your thing. Okay, cool. All right. How many of you guys were, like, the book ones? The book smarts, the academics, like, I'm just going to get my reading done, get my grades in in time. Don't bother me. That's all right, go on, put up your hands. All right, there you go. Uh, let's talk about the enemies of the book smart people, the class clowns. Uh, how many of you guys were the class clowns in the class? Always ready to crack a joke? Yep, yep, fit into that category. All right, what about, uh, what about the bad boys, the rebels, the ones who sat at the back saying, I have not none of this. Any rebels? Any rebels in here? Keep your hands up. We'll pray for you after the service. Hands, keep them up. There we go. Aiden, we got you. Take you off the worship teams. Just kidding. We love you. Um, now, here's another question. In high school, you have out all these groups. How many of you, when you looked at all the groups, really, if you're deep down honest, felt like you didn't really belong to any of them well? Anyone? Anyone else? There we go. It's this common feature where we desperately want to belong, but when we don't, it's this incredibly uncomfortable experience. I remember this happened for me when I first moved to the UK. Um, So you have to remember, I'm a missionary kid, so built into my DNA is this desperate need to want to belong and fit in and adapt to my local surroundings. And so when I first moved to the UK, I was suddenly confronted with this reality that everyone else speaks English like I do, well, mostly, but no one says the words like I do. And I had this problem where if I wanted to communicate, anything I said from my mouth would reveal me to be the outsider. So when I first landed, I thought I'd try something and I thought I'd try and blend in, right? So we first get there and I'm getting onto my bus and the bus you know, person says, hey, how's it going? This will be three quid. And so I try and respond back with this Brit ac- British accent and try and be like, yeah, all right, thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to which he kind of stared at me and I thought, nailed it. And then, a little bit later, there was something else that needed to happen, and they asked me, like, you all right? I said, cheers, yeah, fine. (laughs) And uh, it was at that point I realized that uh, as much as I tried desperately, I just had to give up because I think I was insulting an entire people group by trying to to mimic their accent. But I also came to this realization that as long as I was going to be there, I wasn't going to belong. And there's this word for when you're not part of this group and not part of this group, you end up in this awkward middle space, eh? Sociologists have developed a word for it, which they call liminal. So liminal is often used in terms of architecture or building. It's talked about as like the threshold space. So when you're walking into a house, the liminal space is that threshold where you're not fully in the house, you're not fully outside the house, you're in that in-between space or liminal spaces are places like hallways where you have like your living room and your bedroom, but then you've got that liminal in-between space. And so what sociologists have done is they've looked at that and they've realized that within the world, there are liminal people, people who don't fit into either category particularly well. They're not this, they're not that. So they end up being in that kind of awkward middle space. And uh, for those of you who have lived overseas, or for those of you who today are immigrants here to this nation, you probably understand that for for us as immigrants, we end up living in this in-between space perpetually. So, though I'm here in New Zealand, I will always be an immigrant. My accent, the way I speak, the way I communicate, will always identify me as someone different from like your standard Kiwi. But there's this fascinating thing, so as long as I'm here, I'm not fully here. But I have this odd thing where when I go home, when I return back to my home nation, I've lived overseas for so long, I've spent so much time in other places, that when I go back to the States, the first question strangers ask me is, where are you from? (laughs) Honestly, I know it's hard to think here, because here my accent sounds blazingly, harshly American, and for that I apologize. But when I go back to the States, it sounds weird and muddled and confusing to them. And so immigrants, not just myself, but most people who've lived a long time overseas have experienced this liminal place. We exist not fully here, but also not fully there. We're caught in the middle. Another really common place for this, if even in not in the immigrant sense, is um, intermediates. Intermediates live in a liminal age. Where they're they're no longer primary age children, their brains are developing rapidly, they're beginning to do complex abstract thinking, but at the same time their brains aren't fully developed and they're not fully in high school stage, they're not primary, they're not children, but they're not full on teenagers, intermediates are liminal, in between. It's not just intermediates, if you've ever had the experience of moving from one job to another, you will have experienced a period of liminality when you're the new guy at the job. And it sounds like, sounds things like, well, I don't know what you did at your last place, but here we do this. Or you get the nickname of newbie, and you end up in that liminal place until some other poor schmuck has to come in, and then they're the new liminal person. You call them newbie. How your liminality finishes just because someone else new arrives doesn't quite fully make sense, but it's the way our world works. You go through periods where you're there, but you don't fully belong but you couldn't go back to where you came from because you don't belong there either. You are in between. You're liminal. And one of the most common experiences for when you're in that middle place when you don't fit into categories is it can be an incredibly vulnerable place because there's safety in belonging. It can be an incredibly insecure place because there's identity in belonging. It can be uh, an unsure place as you look forward because you find purpose in your community, in your sense of belonging, in your sense of identity. And those all come from usually being in something. And so when you're stuck in that middle space, it can be a long, often difficult journey. Liminal spaces are vulnerable places, uncomfortable places, sometimes painful places. And it's the reason that one of my favorite characters of the Bible is Levi. Because Levi understands this sense of liminality in, a, in an incredibly unique way. So the scriptures talk about Levi being a tax collector. And uh, the way taxes worked at the time was Rome had divvied up Israel and all of their, county, and all of their empire into little areas. So you had Judea, you had Galilee, you had all these areas. And so when they did a census, they would estimate how much taxes were due from that population. And rather than going out and collecting the taxes directly from the people, what they would do is they basically hired out tax contractors. And so what would happen is a tax contractor would say, Hey, I'll pick up Judea. And when they agreed to that, they would upfront pay the government, the tax for that entire region. So they would pay it out of their own pocket. And then the tax collector, it would be his job to go out and recoup his money from the people. And so it meant that these tax collectors, the way that they earned a profit is they paid what was due to Rome first and then worked back to what they needed to make a profit off of the people, usually charging double, sometimes triple or quadruple what was probably due. But it was how they made their living. And so when you think about this system, someone like Zacchaeus, would have been one of these top tax contractors who would have bartered and gotten the contract for his area. Levi wasn't up that high. Levi was a lot lower. Levi was like a customs officer. His job is he would sit at a booth at the entrance to a city, and he would check people coming in and out of the city, and he would tax the imports and the exports, as well as a travel fee for moving safely between and using the roads. And so he's this low level tax person. And what it means is that Levi would have experienced incredible liminality in his context. Because for Rome, they didn't really love the tax collectors. Because that was like a, that was what you use your hired hands for. That was like a low level extortion job. Like you go hire the goons to go shake people down for money. So no Roman would ever want to be associated with tax collector. They wouldn't want to be a tax collector. You can tell that because they farmed out the contract, so they didn't even have to do the tax collections themselves. So if you were a tax collector, you weren't a well-respected person within Roman society. You were uh, a low-level goon grabbing money for himself. But neither were you accepted within Israel. Levi, probably a great, you know, good Jew, wouldn't have been really loved by his countrymen because he spends his day taking more than his due, and everybody knows it. The whole community knows it. They know the whole system is rigged, but they have to pay it anyway because the military is on their side. And so at best, to the rest of Israel, Levi would have just been seen as a dishonest criminal, a crook who takes more than his due, and there's nothing we can do about it. At worst, Levi would have been a traitor, a coward, Rome is this oppressive force over the nation of Israel, and they are literally breaking the nation's back with heavy taxation, military presence, and quashing out any local identity. Rome is the big, bad ruler. And at worst, Levi looks like he's cooperating with that. And he's selling out his own people to help the Romans. And so what you get is you get Levi, not a part of Rome and not a part of Israel. He's he's in that awkward space. Where does he belong? Where is his community? Who will have him? He's liminal. He's in that middle space. And this is why I think it's so fascinating when we see how Jesus interacts with him. Because Levi probably heard about Jesus. Jesus was the new rabbi on the block. He was pretty cool. He was the up and coming thing. I mean, Jesus's first sermon when he preached it in the synagogue was so controversial that the town flipped out, drove him up a cliff and we're about to throw him off, but he snuck away at the last minute. After this moment, Jesus has been making waves because there've been rumors. There've been reports of him healing some sick people. There've been moments where he's been at synagogue and there's rumors that someone has been The possessed suddenly shouts out, who are you? The Holy son of God. And then has been cast out by just one word by this one rabbi. And now Jesus is out gathering disciples. See, Levi's heard that just before Jesus is coming here, Jesus was at a lake and he gathered some disciples. And there was this massive catch of fish. It was so big. The boats almost sank. And now there's all this cash and this money and these fish. And now they're making their way to the city. And guess who? who they run into, sitting at the edge of the town at his booth, ready to inspect the goods. Levi. I wonder how Levi would have felt in that liminal place. Would he have been hopeful? Would he have been longing for community? As he hears about this new rabbi coming forward, who's making waves. Would Levi have thought, oh man, I'd really like to get to meet him, but I'm Really stinks that I'm gonna have to take money off of him like the first thing you do when you meet someone. Be like, hey, I'm gonna need some cash. I like you. Um, so that doesn't work out well, but maybe Levi was jaded. Maybe he was so upset with the religious establishment. The Pharisees didn't like him. He was a criminal. He was not loved by God. He was selling out his people. Maybe Levi was so jaded that he thought, oh, all right, I hope this we can just get this over with. This rabbi can move through, move on. I'll take what I need. You know what? Maybe I'll just take a little bit of fee. He got a huge catch of fish we'll take a little bit extra so I can have a good meal tonight because you know what, he probably deserves it. How do you think Levi would have felt when Jesus walks up, comes up to his table, Levi looks up at him and says, oh, hi, um, can I see any goods you have to import, anything you need to export? I uh, just need a, a manifest of what you're bringing into the city and what you're planning on doing with it. And he doesn't get a response. So he tries again, sorry, I'm, excuse me, I just need... um just let me know what you're bringing in fish or any of the things that you're having to sell. Can you, can you let me know? And rather than following in the standard protocol, rather than doing what was normally done in the scenario, Jesus pauses, looks at Levi and says, Levi, follow me. Come follow me. And now, Levi's heart start, r- starts racing when he hears this, because it's not like a follow me to the side so we can talk about how you're going to grease my palms so we pay less tax on the fish you're importing. No, when Jesus says, follow me, Levi recognizes that Jesus is a young rabbi who's beginning to gather disciples. And those two words carry so much weight. When he says, follow me, he says, Levi, I choose you. Come, be one of my disciples. Go where I go. Eat what I eat. Listen to what I say. Be a part of this journey, of this family. Of the other disciples I have gathered, Levi, you have a place here with us. And somebody now who's been living in that liminal place for the first time is beginning to hear words of belonging. Words that offer a home and a hope. And so Levi, shaking, hardly able to believe it, stands up. Leaves everything where he's at. I can't imagine what his coworkers must have thought. He gets up from the table and follows Jesus. Suddenly brought into a new family, a new community. Now Levi, at this point, he does the only thing he knows how to do. He, he gathers the resources that he probably took a little bit illegitimately off of the other good, hardworking people. And he throws a banquet. He's so thankful that he now has this rabbi. He needs to show thanks. He needs to show hospitality and gratitude. So he puts on this big meal, but you can almost hear the thoughts in his head as he's like, Oh, I need to do something good. But who am I going to invite? I'm not going to invite any the Roman officials because they're never going to come. But, no one I can't invite any like good. He's a he's a rabbi. Who do I invite with a rabbi? If I talk to the other Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're not going to come. So Levi invites the only community that he knows. Everybody else who's in that liminal space. The other tax collectors, the sinners, the ones who were considered unclean or dirty or didn't fit into this idealistic vision of Israel that was often painted by the religious establishment. He calls together everyone who's stuck in that awkward middle and they have a meal together. And Jesus, rather than freaking out about purity laws or worrying about how it's going to look or appear to other people, Jesus goes into their midst, sits down, and eats with them, laughs with them, tells them stories, gets to know them, is present with them. And it's so easy for us to miss how radical this would have been. See, in that time, when you sat down to eat with someone, it wasn't just sharing a meal. It wasn't just hanging out. By sharing a table and sharing food, you were affirming who that person was. You were affirming what that person did. You were affirming how they came about, how they provided for this meal. There was this sense of fellowship saying, you and I, we are connected. And it's a little controversial for the young new upstart to gather with a bunch of tax collectors who were selling out the Jewish countrymen for their own personal gain and to sit with them and say, you belong here. It's disrupting these clearly identified worlds that existed. These two set areas were now being disrupted. And you see it immediately. Some Pharisees and teachers of the law coming up to check out this new young upstart rabbi and what he's doing and what he's saying saying, They come across him sitting at these tax collectors and you can almost hear what they're thinking like, what is he doing? We as Pharisees have worked so hard to try and tow that line between faithfulness to God, but not capitulating to the Romans. And here is Jesus. Who does he think he is now sitting with the tax collectors? Doesn't he know what message that sends to everyone else? Doesn't he, doesn't Jesus know what the rest of Israel is going to think? Like, oh, now it's okay to extort one another for funds. Now it's okay to sell out our countrymen to the Romans? That's that's what he's saying. And so they come to his disciples and they say, Why are you eating with them? Don't you know what this is communicating to the rest of the nation? Why would you be there with them? At which point, Jesus says the most wonderful statement, which echoes through to this day It's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. See, we see in Jesus that though the world existed in these two frames, there are these two groups that you had to belong to. You had to belong to this. So you had to belong to that in order to be accepted in order to find purpose. What we find is Jesus breaking those molds and he's creating new community where he is a new brand new community around him where people like Levi and the other tax collectors and the other sinners can find a home, can find belonging, can find a place, identity and purpose. And see, it's so easy. These worlds, they existed then and they exist today. In the same way you have these categories of these are the good people, these are the bad people. You guys, we're politically left or we're politically right. We're Maori or we're Pakia. We have all these identification systems. We're people who've got it together. We're people who don't. And we have all these systems that you need to belong to, that you need to fit into. And to be honest, so many of us are so busy trying to keep these systems well that if you're stuck in the middle, you've got no place to go. Because you end up in that awkward, liminal space. And while the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and so many people fought to try and maintain this establishment, to maintain this order, instead what you see in Jesus is he's saying, why are you quibbling and fighting so hard for this when I'm trying to show you this? You're fighting so hard to maintain these two small worlds, these two small places. And what you see in Jesus is he's leading them out from that middle place to a new community a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, a kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first, a kingdom where the weak ones will be used to shame the strong, a kingdom where the foolish ones will be used to shame the wise, a kingdom where the least are made the greatest. There's this new world that Jesus is creating. And it's the people in the liminal spaces who don't have belonging, who don't have that sense of identity, who are caught in between that he is calling out. And he is leading all of us from this old system of you have, it either have to be this or that in order to fit in. He moves us up and he calls us forward with those two simple words, come, follow me follow me, follow the way I lead, follow the way I walk, follow the way I talk to people, follow the way I love people. And as we follow him, we move from being in that liminal place to being a part of a new community, a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And those words echo through, follow me. Levi understood it. And those words come through to each and every one of us today. Jesus says, come follow me. Are you in that liminal space? Are you caught in between Is, are you finding yourself a little bit too complicated or too difficult to be categorized into these two things? Maybe you're a young adult just beginning your journey in life. And as you look ahead, you see this long pre-planned life laid out where you go to university. Then after you go to university, you have to get a job. And once you get a job, you get married. And once you get married, you move up in your job. And once you move up in your job, you get a mortgage. And once you get the mortgage, you got to have kids. And once you have kids, you keep on paying the mortgage until maybe you can relax once you're 65. And you see your whole life planned out before you and you think, I, I can't do that. I don't fit that mold. I, I can't just follow that pattern. It's not, I don't, I don't belong there. Or maybe you're someone that when you look around at the rest of the world, you think, man, everybody else has got it together really well you can come into a place like this and you see everybody else dressed really well and smiling because we're all really good at smiling. We have 13 emojis up there smiling at you and you think, oh man, they, they've got their lives together and look at how they have such a wonderful family and their kids are really well behaved and they seem to do everything well and they communicate well. They look like they have life sorted, but I don't, I don't think I fit there because my life's a lot more messy than that one appears to be. My family is a lot more complicated than that. We don't sing Kumbaya around the table. If we get around the table, we're having a good day. Maybe you don't fit in that space. Maybe you've come in today and you're not even quite sure about faith. You walk into a church doors and you think, well, I'm not so keen on this organized religion thing. Um, I think the church has done a lot of bad things and I'm not sure if, if faith adds up to science, and I don't know if I can jump into this whole church thing, but at the same time, you may not fit out in the world. You know, and the, the rest of your friends may be all strongly like, there is no God, nothing matters, just do your thing, man, none of the else, none, uh, nothing else counts. And you may not fit in either one of those worlds. You may desperately think there's something more, but you may not be sure about this way of going at it. If you are in that liminal place, what the story of Levi said to us is you are blessed because God in Jesus has come to those who are stuck in that awkward middle to those people who feel like they don't belong to those people who feel like they don't fit into these categories of good or bad. They're complicated and they're messy and they're in between and they're vulnerable and they're lacking that sense of home and belonging. If you are in that place, then you are in a place where you can meet Jesus because Jesus comes to those in that liminal place. And he echoes those same words of follow me. And the greatest thing about this community, this kingdom of God that we are all being led into is that there's only one requirement for being a part of it. In other communities, you have to act this way. You have to talk this way. You need to look this way. You need to behave this way in the kingdom of God. There is one and only one thing you've got to do. Follow me. That's it. Jesus just says, follow me. And I don't want to paint a pretty picture. I'm not going to pretend that that's the easiest call that Jesus makes on your life. When Levi had that call, he, he had to leave everything. He'd leave everything behind. He left his job, his financial security. He ran the risk of losing the only friends, the only countrymen he had and the other tax collectors, because what would they think if this tax collector's now abandoned them to go join a rabbi? He risked losing everything, but in Jesus, he found everything he really needed. He found that home. He found that place of belonging, that place of community, that place of hope. And so Jesus' words echo out to each and every one of us today. Come, follow me. It will be hard. Leaving behind these systems that exist in our world is a terrifying prospect. Because these systems, these modes of categorization, this us versus them, they provide a sense of safety and stability in a world that is rapidly changing. It's scary. But in following Christ, we find a new community a beautiful community. And we believe that this kingdom, this kingdom of God is going to spread over the far reaches of the earth is all of the nobodies, all of the liminals, all the people who don't fit in those categories suddenly find a place amongst the table with Jesus. And so those words echo out to us today. Come. Follow me. Let's pray. Jesus, as we, as we listen to that word, that call, it's sometimes really hard to hear. For those of us who have been in that liminal space, in that in-between space for so long, it's really hard to hear that call, that voice that says we belong. Jesus, would you speak to us? Just as you spoke to Levi 2,000 years ago, I pray that you would speak to us and that we would hear your voice calling us to you, to your community, to your kingdom. And Lord, we're sorry because of all the things that often gets in the way of it. God, we're sorry for how much we, we still love those systems of us versus them, those two worlds that we love to cling into. We love them because we find identity and security in them, even though it's not the greatest thing for us for that, we are sorry. Jesus, meet us where we are at, sitting by the side of the road, at our side of the road on our booth. and call us, and give us the strength to stand, to respond and to follow you. Amen.